finished. Races to the boundary. A century that all of India can savour. Chuka Rahani, his 12th in Test cricket. He's second against Australia and he's second here in a Boxing Day Test. It is a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly for the last time in 2020 to Robbie McKinlay and all our wonderful guests who've been joining us throughout the year. G'day, Matty. It is, I'll tell you what, au revoir 2020. You've been a bit naughty, so go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what a oh, year. It's been a test, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it has, mate. But I think, oh, well, I think we'll all come through it stronger and better. So, yeah. But who knows what's in front of us? You never know, but... That's the beauty of um, lucky we've got our cricket, Matt, because I know it keeps you and I going. Oh, it certainly does, Robbie, and particularly uh, during that tough time of the year where things were slowed down, going into the archives and watching some old footage, always a bit of a pleasure, really. And uh, probably <laughs> probably one of the highlights of the year was back just before that first lockdown here in Australia where the MCG was jam-packed to the rafters to see Australia lifting that world T20 trophy, it, it feels like yeah. almost 100 years ago, but it was actually earlier <laughs> this year. Mate, it was really only about nine months ago, wasn't it? But yeah, that, for me, that was my highlight, certainly. what a gr- Not only a great tournament, the Women's uh, T20 World Cup, but what a great result and what a turnout at the MCG with some almost 90,000 people there. And Matt, how good, despite the result, was it to see people and cricket back at the MCG in recent days. Oh, the Boxing Day test. It wouldn't be right, I don't think, if if we didn't have the Boxing Day test at the MCG. And what a performance from India. Now, we we talked about this last week, Robbie. I, I was someone who was a little bit nervous going into this fixture from an Australian point of view. We're on a high. We bowled India out for 36. There's a lot of talk about that. But as we mentioned last week, Robbie, Sometimes you have days where you just nick everything. Everyone just nicks everything and it all just sort of unfolds that way. And India are a much better team than 36 all out. And they certainly showed it at the MCG. New skipper in the side. And what a job he did leading from the front with the Willow Robbie. Yeah, 100%, Matt. I agree. Um, Rahani, I'm not sure if I was more impressed with several things he did during this test match. His captaincy on day one, his field placements in conjunction with his bowlers was absolutely outstanding. It, it, it brought the downfall of quite a few of the Australian batters. Then his innings was just one of the great captain's innings you'd want to see anywhere. It was just a, a beautiful test match hundred. Um, and then his, his celebration was low key. When he did get out, he was run out. Um, with a little, uh, just some brilliant fielding from Manus Labuschagne. But I just thought his reaction to that um, to Jadeja was just sensational because he didn't, you know, frown upon him. He just fist pumped him and said, bad luck, mate, that's why it goes. He walked off. And then when they hit the winning runs on day four, there was no wild celebration. It was done 
he was a very impressive captain. And you can see why that the team really did get around him. Matty, I thought at the National Anthems on day one, there was something about that Indian side. They had that real glint in their eye and they played a fantastic test match. Congratulations, India. Well done. It's one all. And I'm sure the Aussies, it's our turn to bounce back now. It certainly is, Robbie. And uh, a lot of credit to India and their leadership group, getting them getting them back up. And it's one of those true tests of character when you're under the pump to be able to bring yourself back and to perform the way they did. Absolutely outstanding from Ajinka Rahane and the the whole leadership group there behind the scenes, led by Ravi Shastri, their coach as well. And things are on the up and up for them at the moment. But some question marks over the Australian team at the moment, Robbie. What what do they need to do to improve going into the third test? Uh, obviously, the gun the gun batsmen from previous summers haven't been churning out the big hundreds like we normally would see. And I think this this test match, the first test match in Australia since 1988, where we haven't had a batsman make a half century in a game. Mm. Incredible. Uh, where, where do we need to improve? Yeah, well, I think, Matt, if you look back, um, look, we've had two very dominant players, um, particularly if you look in the Ashes series in England, um, Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne. If we didn't have if Steve Smith, if we just had any normal, um, you know, Joe Blow batting at three or four, um, we wouldn't have won the Ashes. We wouldn't have squared the Ashes. Wouldn't have been two all. England would have won the Ashes back, right? I've got no doubt about that. We're so he was so dominant. Uh, he literally um, retained the Ashes for Australia. Marnus Labuschagne got on board. He was fantastic. And what we've got a situation, Steve Smith at the moment in two test matches is averaging just over three. Mm. Marnus is averaging 32. So well down. And then if you look at the others too, apart from Tim Payne, who's averaging 43, you have a look at this middle order. This is where you, you, you do not prosper in this situation in test cricket. Uh, Matty Wade averaging just over 27. Joe Burns has averaged 21. Travis Head, 20. And Cam Green, look, I know, and I think he will be a long-term player. But the fact is that he's part of a top six at the moment and he's averaging 22. You cannot win test matches in that with that those sort of numbers, Matty. And we miss Dave Warner at the top. Now, if Warner comes back in... Um, one thing that I, I mentioned at the, during the last test match, I was disappointed with our lack of intent. And I've, I've seen it again. I think the Australian way... Matty Wade made... He made 41, I think, in that first inning. But he was off 140 balls. Now, Matt Wade normally, in that situation, if he faces 140 balls, he makes at least 80, 90, probably even 100. You must play your natural game. If your natural game is not... It doesn't get the job done, well, that means someone else gets to go at it. So I think that's... I think it can be turned around. Um, but the Indian bowling has been fantastic. The Australian bowling has been fantastic. But Matt... Above all, catches win matches. Oh, don't and Australia they? have shelled, shelled too many. And that's just been, you know, it's been a, a big feature of this test match. So, yeah, so look, we've got work to do, but full credit for India. They've used 15 players in, already in two test matches. Australia have had the same 11 for both test matches. For India to bounce back after Adelaide, when you get bowled out for 36, your captain, the best batsman in the world, goes home. 
Um, one of your best bowlers is out injured. The way they bounced back and responded to the captaincy of Rahani is absolutely fantastic. I've just got nothing but praise for India's performance. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. Pat's on the back all round for India. And what a series we've got now. Two test matches remaining. It's locked at one all. And who knows, Robbie? Are you still... I'm leaning towards Australia still winning the series here. Mind you, if you have a look at the tail of the tape in the series so far, the first test match, India had one bad day. They, yeah, they, yeah. they pretty much had the honours for majority of the rest of the test match, notwithstanding that, that dreadful period where they were bowled out for 36. You'd say that session by session, India uh, were ahead on points. And then you come to Melbourne and India probably ahead on points most of the test match again. Yep. I still feel like Australia will bounce back and win the series. But I think... Uh, I, I think India have shown us that they are ready for a fight and they have have stood up to the Australians and, and produced a, a magnificent performance in Melbourne. Yeah, no, I, I, look, I think, I certainly think we can. I reckon it looks like Dave Warner will come in for the third test match um, with his fitness. He's progressing along really well. So that's going to be a massive boost. And I think what Warner will do, he will take the game up to the Indian attack. And you got to remember too, Matty, if, if Warner does well, it just cuts a little bit of slack for Labuschagne and Smith yeah. and then the, whoever is underneath him. Now, whether it's Travis Head, whether it's Matty Wade, because by the time they have, time, time batters number five, six, and then I include Tim Payne at seven and say Pat Cummins at eight, the Indian attack, because they've had to bowl more overs, have lost a little bit of their sting. So it all, it, 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 one thing complements the other. So, um, yeah, I, I, it just presents a great challenge, doesn't it? What a, what a fantastic, mouth-watering um, two test matches we've got coming up. But just remember this, Matt. India only have to win one of these last two test matches to retain um, the Border Gavaska Trophy. So, yeah, this, I don't want to worry about that. But um, if, I think it's very important Australia do win this next test because in January in Queensland... It's been known to rain, and sometimes it doesn't rain. You start building arcs, Matt. That's what can happen up there. So this next test match, I think, could decide the series. There you go. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there, Robbie. I'm, I am a bit nervous, I must say, but I'm, I'm. I picked that in your voice, Matt. Already, yep. <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be as resolute as I can, um, and, and trying to be as objective as I can. Like. A, I don't like to show too much favouritism, but certainly hoping for Australia to to bounce back and win the series. Now, uh, just as a little segue here, Robbie, last week you mentioned, uh, and I'm not sure if it's uh, because you wanted to mention the fact that you had a conversation with Dom Thornley or whether you, whether you were draw, drawing a parallel between New South Wales all out 53 and India all out 36. But I've, I've bit of dug, both. yeah, probably a bit, a bit of both. I've dug into the cricket library audio archives, and Benny Rora caught up with me. Oh, it must have been must have been four or five years ago, and the game that you mentioned last week, when New South Wales were all at fifty three, was the game where Ben Rora made his debut for New South Wales. So I thought we'd just get in our time machine, and just for those that aren't uh, across this game, it was. Back in March 2007, 
Tasmania batting first, 370. Michael DiVenuto up the top, 181. New South Wales um, led by Mark Cameron with the ball. Five five wickets for, for Mark Cameron there. Four wickets for Stu McGill. Yeah, Scud Cameron. What a what an athlete and competitor he was for New South Wales. Career cut short by injury. Then New South Wales absolutely skittled all out for 53 in 31.1 overs. Wickets shared, but Benny Hilfenhaus uh, was on a hat-trick in, the, in that game. Three for 14. Damien Wright, three for seven. And Luke Butterworth, four for 18. But then in the second innings... It all turned around for New South Wales. A big 100 for, for Dom Thornley, 138. And Benny Rora on debut, 163. So let's just have a listen to some of Benny Rora's reflections on... Uh, uh, sorry, before we get to that, I should say that Tasmania did go on to win the game. Uh, wow. Seven wickets still in the bank when they past the winning runs. But, um, yeah, let's have a listen back to Benny Rora's reflections on his first-class debut for New South Wales. Yeah, I, um, I was over in New Zealand playing a second 11 game and when I got told that I was coming back and with a chance of playing and... Uh, one of the guys had got injured and yeah, got back, went to Tassie, and, and the whole time they told me, no, he'll, he'll be right, you won't play. And it wasn't until the morning of the game that um, I got the tap on the shoulder and said, you're in. Um, and then we uh, we fielded all day the first day and they polled on 300. And the first up the next morning, we, we got bowled out for 50. So it wasn't the, uh, the greatest start to in my career but uh, luckily the second innings they, they sent us back in and, and we were able to put on a few and, and I got, ended up getting 100 of those so that was uh, that was a quite nice start but um, but walking out on a hat-trick ball wasn't, wasn't what I'd uh, pictured in my mind for my first game. Well, the big bash, Robbie is in full swing and fair to say at the Cricket Library Weekly, given our allegiance to the Sydney Thunder, we should disclose that in case it's not highly obvious. Without us disclosing it, we are Thunder men and we're pretty happy with how the big bash is going. Oh, <laughs> from a New South Welshman's perspective, yeah, you see the Sixers and Thunder both sitting on top ladder. Five matches played. Both have had four wins. Um, the six is just with that extra bonus point, and we have spoken about the importance yeah. of that extra bonus point, Matt, which can be achieved at the 10-over point in the innings. Um, so that's the two at the top. Strikers are doing well. They've got 13 points. They've had three wins and two losses. But um, I guess if you turn to the bottom of the table there, the one for mine, Matt, where I'm feeling a little bit awkward about is first Scorchers, who I've chipped to make the grand final, mm. are sitting on the bottom of the ladder, no wins, the three losses. Um, can you put the finger on that one, Matt, for me? I, I'm really quite surprised by this one. I guess one of the explanations is they did have to play the Thunder as one of their games. So yeah. you're probably not penciling that in for a win for them. But uh, in all seriousness, I, I look at their squad on paper and I – I find it unfathomable that they're on the bottom of the ladder. I I, I really yeah. cannot explain it to you, Robbie. But um, and, but we have a look at the key stats. Um, 
you look at the leading run scorers, there's not a Scorchers player in the top 10. No. We have a look at the highest opening partnerships. There's no Scorchers featuring in the top 10. You, you have a look at bowling economy. There's no Scorchers in yep. the best bowling economy. Um, I, I, I really don't know. I don't know what they need to do to improve. I, I was shocked the other night. I thought they were in a fairly good position there against the Adelaide Strikers. Yes, but they, yes, they, genuine fifty-fifty game. Yeah, yeah, and they they got rolled for under a hundred. I I just I just don't know what they need to do to turn things around. Some of it may be just the whole travel quarantine kind of thing. I I, I really feel like that is going to affect different people in different ways, and it might take um, take certain players a bit of extra time to to feel comfortable in their yeah. environments. Uh, and I'd be interested to see when, when the Scorchers start playing back at home, whether we'll start yep. to see them get on a little bit of a run. But uh, th- they've probably been the most disappointing for mine this season. We, we, You and I both uh, felt that the, the Heat and the Renegades would, would probably find it a bit tougher this year. And that's proven accurate so far. Again, though, I would caveat that by saying both those sides are the kind of sides that, that could get on a bit of a run. Uh, and, and the Renegades last night, they're losing that game to the Sixers. So it's, it's sometimes a case of when you're in the habit of losing games, it's hard to find a way to win. And, and we saw yeah. that with the Brisbane Heat uh, the other night there. They kind of limped across the line to win their game against the Hurricanes when it was pretty much an unlosable game for them the way they'd, they'd started that one and got themselves into a position where where they they're right to go, but they ended up making it a lot harder than they needed to. Mm. Um, just some other things uh, I'd like to chat about, Robbie. Um, BKT Golden Hat Wearer for most runs scored. Just I'll just have a check here. I don't know who that is. Oh, actually, it's a Sydney Thunder player, Callum Ferguson, their captain, 197 runs. Daniel Hughes, what a performance from him. From, we're just talking about teams that find a way to lose. Yeah. Don't the Sixers know how to win? That That's the thing, Matty. It, as much as sides who just can't seem to get over the line, it goes the other way. What about the Sydney Sixers' last two matches? Oh. You, could argue, you could argue they have been two of the best matches in the history of the BBL. The, um, oh, Jason Holder, like um, we're, we're doing this um, on uh, Wednesday afternoon and Tuesday evening, he literally got them home. He hit Will Sutherland around in that final over, 16 runs off the over to get them home. And by the way, that is Jason Holder's final match for the Sydney Sixers. Oh. He's on his way after his free match appearance. But you're right, Matt. They are the cardiac kids, aren't they? They certainly are. And um, Daniel Hughes, the captain, 96 there, I think it was, against the Melbourne Stars. What a game that was. Uh, Melbourne yeah. Stars... Looked unbeatable in that one as well. The Sixers got across the line. Um, just sorry, just back on our run scorers. Glenn Maxwell's another one. He's just gone past two thousand career BBL runs. Uh, he's on one hundred and seventy nine for this series. Josh Felipe, another one in the runs, one hundred and seventy two. Ingram one sixty one. Hales one fifty two. McDermott one fifty one. Marsh one forty six. Tim David the Bradbury slugging Cadbury slugger. Man. Yeah, yep. the 145 for him. And then Phil Salt, he dispatched a few against the Scorchers. He's on 118. 
And and then in the wickets, it's a log jam. This golden the golden cap at the moment, thankfully, some would say sitting on Peter Siddle's head. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that's subjective there, but uh, ten yep. ten wickets for Siddle, and then we've got five bowlers on nine wickets. Tanvir incredible. Sanger, the leg spinner, what an incredible job he's been doing. Wes Agar, Liam Hatcher, Kane Richardson, and Chris Green all on nine wickets, uh, and then three bowlers on eight as well: Stephen O'Keefe, Benny Dwarshus, and Jimmy Faulkner uh, on eight wickets there, but. One of the things that I think has contributed to the Sydney Thunder rise to prominence this season has been the fact that they've got some bowlers that are keeping it tight. And they, in fact, yeah, have, agree, Matt. They have yep. three of the, the best five economy rates in the Big Bash. Ben Cutting, Tanvir Sanger and Adam Milne all in the top five for lowest economy rates off their bowling. I should uh, shout out Nathan Coulter-Nile sitting on top of that list. He's doing exceptionally well, 4.78 per over, coming off NM Coulter-Nile from the Melbourne Stars. But um, having that depth in your bowling lineup um, means the captain can look around and he can have multiple options uh, when when looking to get the right matchups for the, the, the batters that are in and and wielding the willow, which I think Callum Ferguson's done really well for the Sydney Thunder this season. And as a result, the Thunder have been winning a lot of matches. But it's not just about the Thunder here. We, we, we've we mentioned the Sixers. We've mentioned the Strikers. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a, a, a gripping race to the finals. But I, even though the Melbourne Stars have lost their last couple of games on paper... I think the Melbourne Stars are still certainly one of the most dangerous teams in the entire competition and, and they could certainly be the team to beat come finals time. Yeah, they are, They are, Matt. The only thing with them is um, I just find they're a side that I'm not sure if they've got that. They're a side just that I can't quite trust because there's so many variables with them. They're, their absolute best is, you know, it's through the roof. It, it, it would be one of the best T20 teams in, in world cricket. But I, just at the moment, if you look at I, I think where the Thunder have settled in nicely to the hub life. They've looked at play very well at Canberra. They love Monica. Um, so I, I think that really helps. And the, the, the Sixers, yeah, we just they've got this thing built into them. They know how to win games. But for mine, the Renegades, um, Matt, they have had, they've had some awful results so far. Um, look, they're not far off at Aaron Finch and, and uh, Sean Marsh at the top of the order there. I think there's going to be games where they will get them over the line. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just it, them and the Scorchers have been so disappointing. The Hurricanes, I'm still not sure what to make of the Canes. And um, it's good to our mate Fraser from Glasgow. Um, I, I, I think they're going to sneak into that top five, no doubt about it. But uh, one thing in the favour of... Perth, as you mentioned, there are games ahead in WA, which will benefit them. And the Melbourne Stars, there's a host, a feast of matches lined up for the MCG, which should be really good for them. And I reckon the Melbourne Melbourne crowd will really get in behind that too. They've been starved of sport down there. Um, and I think they'll really get in and make the most of that. So, But it's looking good, Matty. I've really enjoyed it. Um, the, the, the power hitting's been the thing, hasn't it? I, I know you love your power hitters and your leg spinners. <laughs> but if you look at the thing that strikes me too the most if you look at it, took Sydney Thunder are averaging eight sixes per innings. Now that that they are 
six eight to forty eight, Matt. Almost, a, you know, yeah. fifty runs. You know, in six balls, um, they've had the least amount of dot balls in the competition as well. And you look at the sixes who are on top of the ladder; they've hit the most boundaries, eighty three. That's a lot in five games. So they're, they're really doing well. So yeah, they're leading the charge at the moment. Um, I think you can almost look at you know that those two sides are going to be certainly looking at playing in that top five. It's just whether they can find some improvement down the bottom of these sides, like um, uh, Brisbane Heat, Perth Scorchers, and the Melbourne Renegades. You know they've got to really get a wriggle on here. They've got to put it. They've got to put in a stretch at some point of time, Matty, where they win three or four games in a row, and it can be done because we know that's the nature of T Twenty cricket. But I personally, we've had a little bit of interruption with Test cricket. We've been all glued to that, but um, I've thoroughly enjoyed the um, the Big Bash again. I think it's been fantastic, and I am loving. These new rules, I see a few substitutions made here and yeah. there. Um, I love the one point at the halfway point of the innings. That is fantastic. And also, when are you going to use your two overs in the power play? You know, the batting side gets to choose that. I think teams are going to get better at that. I, I, I think you're going to see more and more sides are probably going to use that a little bit earlier than I have. Particularly if you, if you know wickets down, if you've got a couple of those batters, you know, are really striking the ball well, why not cash in? Just a little side note on the on the new rules. We love it at my house. We we keep an eye on the the bash boost, and uh, we're interested to know when the power surge is going to get taken. There's a lot of discussion between myself and and my kids around when we think a good time to take it. But just on the X factor, you, you know, Robbie, I'm a, a massive fan of dice cricket, and it's school holidays yeah. at the moment, so I've got a bit of time off work. And um, yesterday, I I rolled out a game of dice cricket with um, with my son and we named two X-Factors for each of our teams. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was high quality stuff. So um, I didn't inject my X-Factor into the game actually. No, I didn't really have a need for it. But um, yep. if you've got kids, uh, primary school age kids, talking about it and thinking yeah. about it, it, it it says to me that we're getting a bit of cut through with these new rules, and um, yeah, I think it's it, it's here to start. Yeah. Well, it's it's here to to give us conversation, isn't it? And and make the game more interesting well, for 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 our, for the fans. Matt, just on that, if I'm, I just get a feeling. Did you have a victory in that game of dice cricket? <laughs> no, I went down actually. Oh, did you? Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought that might have been just a bit of a lead in for me to. Because you sort of mentioned you sort of didn't need to use your um your substitute replacement, so I thought, oh, oh, you've, you've gone down. Yeah, no, uh, we we made two thirty. Which two teams played? Just out of interest, Matt. Which uh, two teams? So, so my team, the Barabadeen Brutes, um, <laughs> played against the um, my, my son's team, the Denmark Destroyers, and the Den- Denmark. Yeah, the Denmark and. Good evening to all our listeners in Denmark, by the way, too. I'm sure there's plenty of you there. Yeah, so uh, 234 all out, my team, and then my son's team, 8 for 237, getting the job done. Good game. Two wickets in hand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good game, a high-scoring affair. So Dice Dice gets alive and well. But, uh, Robbie, we we should move on. Um, Matt Fiction, someone who's been keeping a close eye on on the BBL, and there's been some very interesting discussions in the library. Uh, we've been doing our three, two, one votes, and we've been keeping mm. we've been keeping right on top of that. Um, yourself, myself, and and Matt Fiction. 
But hasn't it been interesting? Some of the um, some of the suggestions for votes put forward by Matt Fiction. As re- uh, well, I, I'm getting a feeling that he has some allegiances uh, to yes. a particular franchise or particular types of players. Uh, yes. But uh, anyway, we've got a haiku mm. poem from you now, and and we will um, give our updated leaderboard in the Cricket Library medal. Cricket Library Weekly Medal votes yep. um, in our first edition for 2021. So, uh, those, yes, because well, yeah, oh, well Maddie, we'll be nearly halfway through, won't we? Yeah, by then? So yeah. we'll be able to give an update of our three, two, one, and then um, probably I'm not sure if that's up to your call, but um, whether we just whether we sort of close the voting, the announcement of voting, or maybe with two or three rounds to go to really build it up a bit. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll, yeah, we'll, okay. we'll keep it. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put it out there. Let people know where things are up to, and then we'll um, we'll lock off the announcement, um, and maybe have a gala ceremony, a COVID yeah. a COVID safe gala ceremony. It might be a virtual ceremony uh, where we invite them. Oh well, they they did the Brownlow and the Dally M like that this year, so there's um, no reason why we can't do the same. The Cricket Library Weekly Medal. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people who'd love to know who's going to win that prestigious award. So, uh, speaking of Matt Fiction, he's pumped out another one. Here's a haiku. I'm sure you'll love this one, Robbie. Nicholas Puran dispatches them to all parts. My word, he can play. Well, there we go. Matt Fiction, well, that's good to see him dipping into another club there. So, obviously, Nicholas Puran from the uh, the Melbourne Stars. But, gee whiz, Matt, he does like the big hitters, doesn't he? And I've got <laughs> a funny does. feeling he likes a leggy or two. But, um, yeah, uh, another another gem from the Fiction. Well, I tell you what, I love his um, – that's quite intense backing music there too. He's gone mm. – he, He's, he must have had a bit of spare time, I'm tipping, over Christmas, New Year. Not as many people borrowing and returning books at the library. So, um, But what has been busy is the mailbag, Robbie, 101R Bungle Gumby Road. Now, uh, Burrabedeen, 2830. Now, I did have a concern last week uh, on the program. There didn't appear to be any birthday cards for me. Uh, uh-huh. But just on the topic of birthdays, a massive thanks to Joe Scuderi, who we wished a happy birthday to last week for retweeting us. He put a little yep. re- retweet for the Cricket Library Weekly, and a lot of a lot of people uh, tuning in as a result of that. So thank you to Mr. Scuderi. But I'm not sure if you heard back at all from Ricky Martin or any of Ricky Martin's staff. I no, I didn't. <laughs> I I contacted him via Twitter, um, and then I just haven't heard back. Donuts. Yeah. So, uh, Ricky Martin, if you are listening, uh, please return my phone calls. There's a number of them. (laughs) There's a number. (laughs) There's a number of voicemails there for you, Ricky. Maddie, it's a it's a big ask at the moment. This is something I think we need to review for next year. Maybe we, we might have to put a bit of a hiatus on the mailbag in and around the festive season because not only have we got Christmas cards pouring into the mailbag, but we've got your birthday on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So, you know, and then you've got your well wishes around New Year's Eve. So, yeah. so maybe a bit of 
food for thought there. But um, I'm, yeah, I'm sure the, the mailbag will, will get back to um, its normal busy self in the new year and we're looking forward to feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And um, apologies to anyone who has sent Christmas cards that we haven't got back to yet. We are working through those one at a time. Um, so, and birthday cards. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't seen any birthday cards, but uh, th- <laughs> thank you to everyone who did did send through a Christmas card. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to you ASAP there, probably not till next year now, but um, looking forward to responding to those. Now, Robbie, it's been a big year. It's been a massive year for the Cricket Library podcast. It's been a massive year for you too on the Glory Days podcast. Um, 2021, anything exciting coming up for those that that do a bit of uh, a cross-listen across the Cricket Library and and the Glory Days? Have you got some some big projects happening in 2021? Indeed, we have, Matt. Um, uh, Thank you for that. So, yes, it has been uh, the uh, inaugural season, so... Um, the most recent one, of course, was um, Myrtleford, nineteen eighty-three, which is yeah, the, the great Gary Ablett Senior played up there. But I am working on one, Matt, and it is—it's another river, um, a, a town on the river, back in nineteen sixty-eight. And if you could just picture this, Matt, I'll leave, I'm just, I'll leave you with this teaser. It's the Richmond Premiership coach from this uh, captain, sorry, from this year, Trent Cochin, was the head bush and become captain coach of a country team in 2021. That would be quite remarkable, I would have thought, wouldn't you? I would think that would be phenomenal. Well, in, back in 1968, a premiership captain from the Richmond Football Club made his way to the Murray River town of Corowa. And that is what the next Glory Days episode is all about. We are well into production at the moment, hopefully coming out in a couple of weeks. Wow, I'm looking forward to that, Robbie, and I'm looking forward to more Cricket Library next year with you as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the Cricket Library Weekly, Robbie. Thank you so much to all of our loyal listeners, and there are so many of you that that do touch base, and we encourage you to keep doing that via the social media networks that you can find us at Cricket Library on Twitter. Of course, Robbie, Robbie and I are active on Twitter as well ourselves. Uh, thank you to you, our listeners. Without you, we don't really have a reason to do what we do other than the fact that we enjoy chatting cricket. But thank you so much for all your support in 2020 and look forward to a massive year in 2021. Thank you, Robbie McKinlay. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now. <laughs>